Let's pray as we begin together. We thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your grace and your salvation. And we thank you for lives well lived. We thank you for the testimony of people who have been faithful to you in this congregation for uh, many generations. And we just pray that we would also be faithful to you until the end. We thank you for your word that you've left to guide and to instruct us and for your spirit that you've given us to empower us, that we can be witnesses of who you are to those around us. Use this time, speak to our hearts, and may we reflect Jesus to the lost and the hurting around us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We've come to the end of our study in 1 John, and I'd like to take uh, this day today to review some of the things that we've learned. Kind of the theme is true faith expressed in action. And you do see, as you read through 1 John, the importance of holding on to true faith of who Jesus is and how we are supposed to live and act as believers. And as a pastor, I would say one of the most uh, important desires that I have is to see people understand God's word and then live in accordance with his word and have joy as they serve God and they serve others. We just finished studying 1 John, and I believe it was John's purpose, right, to stir up people to love and good works. Uh, those are the words that we read in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Uh, but I believe that it was also John's heart to stir people up to love and to good works. Our society is turning away from biblical principles. And certain people, and even certain churches, are turning away from the true nature of God. So what we hold on to is of great importance. And how we express God's love to others and how we receive his love and his joy is also very important. And we might remember one of the themes is that true faith has God as the object, meaning we're putting our faith in God who is our creator. And it motivates us to express his love, his true love in action. God has to be the focus of our life. And the pressures of this world, they try to weigh us down and to get us to be distracted to where we're no longer expressing his love to other people. Uh, sometimes it's just a matter of priorities. Have you ever had the thought, I know God wants me to do this, but I'm too busy. And uh, sometimes that's the challenge, isn't it? To put God's will as a priority in our life. And so I want this message to motivate us to action, to remind us that we need to have God as the true object of our faith. And we need to remember that Jesus is the word of life, like the song that we sang at the beginning of this service, that he is the light of the world. And in 1 John chapter 1, we um, remember that John the apostle wrote, and he said, we have seen Jesus our hands have handled him. Uh, we declare to you that he's the word of life. And then in verse two, the life was manifested. We have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the father and was manifested or revealed to us. He says again in verse three, the things that we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you may also have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. And then he tells us, these things we write to you that your joy 
may be full. Um, as Wendell was reading the scriptures and he read one of the verses about Jesus promising to make his home in us, Marta says, what a joy. And that should be the response, right? We hear the truth of God's word and we say, what a joy. You know, it is a joy to be his children. And John wrote this uh, to remind us that Jesus is the true life. He's the expression of God in human form. And he wrote it that we would have joy. There's pressures around us. And sometimes we take the advertising of the world or the encouragement uh, from an unbeliever. And for a time, we try to experience joy outside of the Lord. And whenever that happens, I believe we can remember the words of Jesus. If you drink of this water, you will thirst again. Right. If you try to replace God's love and his joy with anything else, we'll hear those words of Jesus. If you drink of this water, you will thirst again. But Jesus went on to say, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. Right. In our soul, we don't have to be thirsty because we have the living water. And in return, it says the living water will become in him, in the believer, a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life. So I mentioned it before, uh, like a waterfall. Can you control it? No, it's supposed to splash upon you and then keep running. And the, the love and the joy of the Lord is supposed to pour through our life. Drinking of the love of God, receiving of his spirit and sharing the hope of eternal life brings joy. And we need to have that joy in our heart. Notice it says, um, these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Uh, another translation says that your joy is complete. Um, I am so happy to be a believer. And I don't want any pressure of society, any darkness of the world to push that happiness, that joy out of my heart. And the reason is God is light. So uh, what John writes here is that he is light and in him there is no darkness at all. And if we turn from darkness and we repent, then we have fellowship with God, which produces joy. Um, some of you might have seen either through the Internet or through uh, television. There's a movie that just came out called The Jesus Revolution, and um, it records how Pastor Chuck Smith was a traditional pastor in Southern California, and he was challenged by the needs around him, which was during the time of the hippies, to see that they were also searching and that they needed the true answer. Uh, Martin and I, we have the joy of years of receiving and personally knowing Pastor Chuck. Um, there, it was a huge church, but he had this ability to remember people's names. And one time, Marta went to a missions conference, and I stayed in Ukraine, and um, Mar Marta was standing like in the line to exit the, the meeting, and Pastor Chuck was over on the side, and he looked over and he said, uh, tell Pastor Don that I'm praying for you guys. And she's like, he remembered us. And it was such a joy to see that he was a man that God had worked through. And some of you have had that experience, right? To see God work through a person and that person stay humble and to encourage you. But one thing that I can say about Pastor Chuck, he was faithful to the word of God. He taught it, magnifying God through the grace of God. 
and he himself had joy. Uh, I myself have never known anybody who had more responsibility in ministry than he did, right? Bible college, radio station, there was a time that he was on television, uh, multiple churches, and yet he had an enduring joy. And I want to tell you, regardless of our responsibilities, regardless of our life experience, God wants his joy to be present in our lives. As we continue, uh, I want to read this passage from 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through 7. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Walking in the light. It means living, right? Going through your life experience with Jesus, walking with him. And it says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. God created us to be in relationships, and we need each other to strengthen one another. And it says, as we do so, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from how much? All sin. Isn't that great? Uh, the scripture tells us, Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. God wants us to live in freedom. He wants us to live in his light. And he wants to cleanse us from all sin. When we have God's joy and love, we will live in obedience as Jesus lived. And that was the next thing uh, that John wrote to us. He said, whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. And then he says, he who says he abides or remains in Jesus ought himself to walk just as Jesus walked. So abiding uh, is that word to uh, be in a close relationship. And as we are connected to Jesus, he is going to perfect his love in us. And I think that's a wonderful thing, right? God's love is eternal, but he wants to work a new work in our hearts, protect, perfecting us in the love of Jesus. Uh, he warns us in the same chapter that if we allow hate in our heart, that we don't truly know um, and experience the love of God. And so that's a warning for us. I don't want to focus too, many, uh, too much upon his warnings, but it is an aspect. Uh, and then he tells us in chapter 2, from verse 15 through 17, we're not to love the world or the things of the world. There's more and more pressure to love the things of the world and to accept the worldly approach to life and to turn away from Christian principles. But we are to remember that if you start to love the world, you set yourself at enmity against God. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. God promises us that we can abide in him forever. Uh, John went on to write that um, there is an influence from the Antichrist, the one that is against Jesus, and uh, that is inspired by Satan. Satan deceives people, 
as they're living in the world so that they refuse the true Jesus and they come up with a savior according to their own understanding. Uh, This is a danger. Um, You'll see many people are open to the concept of Jesus as a savior, but they don't want the Bible to determine who Jesus is. They want to say, uh, Jesus is a person that accepts me for who I am, right? But he doesn't want to change me. Well, that's not the Bible. The Bible says Jesus forgives you if you come to him, and then he will change you. So uh, we need to hold on to the biblical approach uh, to our faith. And as we abide in the true Jesus, uh, we're going to know that we have eternal life. I love this. Um, I have most of my family that are the older generation. They've already gone to be with the Lord in heaven. And I just picture what the reunion is going to be like. Uh, I like to say that instead of a person, sometimes people say uh, they passed or uh, we lost that person. Well, in the Lord, we're not lost. And so I like to say they graduated because the training of this world is over and now you graduated and you get the true uh, welcome in heaven. And uh, it says, um, I'll just read from 1 John chapter 2, verse 24 and 25. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, meaning God's love, uh, you will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us eternal life. It's a promise and we can hold on to it. And I'm so thankful for it. Um, the next uh, section talking about this same promise describes Jesus as being the one that gives us eternal life. And we'll read from 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 through 13. This is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has eternal life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So believing in Jesus gives us the assurance that he went to prepare us an eternal home. And it gives us great joy. Uh, And it also causes us to live in the right way. Uh, Going back to uh, the end of chapter 2, it says in verse 29, If you know that he, Jesus, is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. So as we have new spiritual life, our lives are to reflect who Jesus is. We're to do the things that would please him. And we're not just to live for ourselves. We first receive from Jesus and then we share with others. Uh, I love 1 John 3, verse 16. It says, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us. Right? Jesus says, greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friend. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So as we receive from him, then we share with others, right? Um, there's a passage in Deuteronomy that says when you give, you're to give with an open hand. Have you ever thought about that? Uh, sometimes, like, you're going to give and you're going to kind of drop a little bit in the person's hand. But it says when you give, give with an open hand. It means that let them have everything, right? You're being generous in your gift. And I like that concept. 
There was a time in Jerusalem that we were helping as some of our friends traveled. Uh, We weren't living in Jerusalem at the time, but uh, they traveled, so we were watching their house. And we went to a traditional church. And in the church, they had the tradition that when you would take communion, you would kneel like at the altar, and then the pastor and the other ministers would come and they would put a piece of bread in your hand, so you'd open your hand like that. And then they would take with the finger and they would crush it in your hand and say, the body of Jesus broken for you. And for some reason, I just felt like a beggar, you know? But I didn't feel like a beggar that was poor. I felt like a beggar who had been receiving because I had my hand out open as I was kneeling and then I remembered the broken body of Jesus. And it gave me such a a touching of my heart You know, to see that God gives us life, the bread of life, even though we're broken like those that are begging and in need. God's true love motivates us to action. And we'll continue in uh, chapter 3, verse 17. Whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children... Let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed, meaning in action and in truth. Right? So we're to live out our faith. We're to receive love and share it with others. Uh, I read it and it was up there. Sorry about that. Uh, Another aspect of being a child of God is answered prayer. And in chapter 3, verse 22, it says, Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So we talked about this. Conditions to having answered prayer, meaning that we are asking according to his will and we're living according to the way that Jesus would have us live. Love is God's nature. And chapter 4 is really... A chapter describing the nature of God and his love and how that is expressed. It's the main characteristic of a true believer. Um, honestly, there are some believers that if you talk with them, you think the main characteristic is to be argumentative, right? To make conflict or to make cont- contention. But the main characteristic of our life is love. And it says, love covers a multitude of sin, right? Are you a person who wants to cover other people's sin, or do you want to expose them? God covers our sin through faith in Jesus, and he wants us to be like him. To be God's child, you must have faith. That's what chapter 5 tells us, uh, verse 1. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, is born of God. And everyone who loves him, who begot, also loves him who is begotten of him. So uh, we see that we have to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And then in verse 4, whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. We're to live as overcomers. Do you remember that message? Uh, It's so important for us to always be thankful because God is leading us in his victory as overcomers. And then another truth, um, true believers will not live in sin, but will have God's perfect protection. 
uh, chapter 5, verse 18, we know that whoever is born of God does not sin, meaning he does not sin consistently. But he who has been born of God keeps himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. So God keeps us and promises that the wicked one wouldn't touch or have control over our life. I want to encourage you, uh, time to time, go back and read through 1 John. Remember that John wrote that we would understand God's love, that he is light, that we would receive his love in such a way that it would motivate us to love other people. And then also to remember that God promises us that we have eternal life that should bring joy to our hearts and that also we can know that as we pray according to his will and as we live in a way that pleases him, our prayers will be answered. Many times we need to remember that we're abiding in him. That is our source of love, our source of joy, and our source of hope. And we need to choose to turn away from things of the world and turn to Jesus, put our eyes upon him, look fully upon his face. The things of this world will fade away. I just want to encourage you, uh, have God's truth in your heart, allow his love to motivate you, and be an instrument of change. Know that God wants to work through your life for his glory. Let's pray today. Lord, we thank you so much for the writings of the scripture, and especially as we've just studied 1 John, to see that you came to give your life as a perfect sacrifice, to make a complete and full atonement for our sins, and to set us free that we can live in the spirit and live in your love. Fill us with your spirit, motivate us by your love, and use us for your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.